This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. This week, I'm excited to welcome Jen Hamilton to the show. Jen is a labor and delivery nurse who found herself growing a massive audience on TikTok as her really relatable mom content started to grow throughout the pandemic. With her community of over 2.6 million followers on TikTok, she talks about the realities of motherhood, shares insights from her job as a labor and delivery nurse, as well as lets us in behind the scenes with her kids and her travel and her life, including one of my favorites that I get to peek in on is her pet chickens, one of whom actually makes an appearance during this episode, which was so much fun. Jen is equal parts fun and entertainment as well as education. And today we get into how partners can help support during labor and delivery. We discuss ways that they can show up emotionally for their partner, that they can advocate on their behalf, especially when plans change and things are happening unexpectedly that mom may not be able to articulate her wants and desires and her needs in those moments. We also talk about some of the things that Jen has seen not to do as a partner, having experienced many labor and deliveries and having lots of stories about the different things that she's observed. This is a little bit more laid back of an episode and is equal parts, I would say, entertaining and educational. And I really enjoyed getting to know Jen. Let's hear this week's episode. What's better than taking a course designed to help you manage your mom rage so you can parent with less anger and more connection? Taking that course with a community of like-minded moms and direct mentorship from me and Dr. Asherina Reem, also known as Psyched Mummy. Do you tend to beat yourself up over how you've handled tough parenting situations? We get it and we've been there. We've been taught that moms are supposed to be tender and nurturing and when we feel or express anger, we believe something is wrong with us. But being reactive or losing your cool doesn't make you a bad mom. It just means that you need the right tools in your toolbox to help you stay calm. In our course, All the Rage, we use proven methods to teach moms how to handle the most triggering parenting moments. And beginning in May, for the first time ever, we're running a live version of the course to help guide you through step-by-step and provide the answers you need along the way. Over the five-week course and live mentorship, you'll learn how to parent in a way that feels good, be in control of your own emotions, Repair after human moments. Connect with other moms who are working through the same struggles. Have access to Dr. Reem and I in weekly Q&As and so much more. You'll get personalized expertise that isn't included in the original course, along with a supportive online community of moms in our private Facebook group. Already purchased the course? Don't worry, you can upgrade with our mentorship and community add-on. Join us for All the Rage Live 2023. Head to momwell.com slash rage to register now. That's momwell.com slash rage. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. 
On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Jen, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I stumbled across you on my For You page on TikTok, which I'm sure is how millions of others have found you as well. And I love your like relatability, but I also love that you're like postpartum or labor and delivery nurse. And so our worlds can kind of collide in this really fun way. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to have you here. Well, thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. I'm really curious how your platform on TikTok started. Was it related or rooted in any kind of educational content at first, or was it just like relatable mom content? Yeah. So not at all related. Um <laughs> So I just basically started sharing the things that I knew, right? So I know mom stuff. I know nurse stuff. And so I would share initially, it was just like all silly, just really being silly about, you know, things that I would see or experience as a mom. And slowly but surely, people started really connecting with that. And I ended up I say slowly but surely, but honestly, it happened really quickly over just a few months, you know, having, you know, 10,000 followers and then 20,000 and then 100,000 and then 500,000. So, I mean, there was no plan on my end to have this happen. It kind of just happened organically, which is honestly my favorite part about it is that people just kind of connected with the content that I was putting out and obviously wanted more. So that, you know, opened up the door to me to make more. And then also seeing the impact that I could have in the mom, mental health, prenatal, postpartum kind of space. So, because I know labor and delivery and I know nursing and I know all that stuff. So being able to be a voice for moms who are going through that right now is super impactful. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to like be platformed by accident, right? Like this weird social media thing that happens where it's like, I don't know, I kind of feel the same in a way that it was after my postpartum experience with depression, like after my third Mm -hmm. that I took to social media to just like help spread awareness. Cause I was like, I'm a therapist. I've been in this field for over 10 years. I have seven years of education and I didn't even know this was a thing. Right. Yeah. And so right before the pandemic, and then all of a sudden kind of stumbling into this social media and whatever platform, which has now evolved into a whole business, but it was like not planned that way at all. Right. It's just interesting how, when you have a message that really hits home and resonates with people and that they can see themselves in mm-hmm. how that growth can come so organically for you. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's been super, super awesome. Yeah. I think the first video that I saw of yours that came through was something to do with, I want to say like delivering the placenta still attached to the baby. Is that a thing? Tell me, tell me about that. What, like, what is, there's a name for it that I don't recall. Yeah. A lotus birth. A lotus birth. Okay. There has been so much that has happened in the obstetric world as a trend, right? So like people will see things online and run with it without really knowing the science behind maybe we shouldn't do something. So hmm. yeah, Lotus Birth has been on the rise 
I think, was it a Kardashian did it? I don't know. Somebody did it. Mm. And it was like a big, maybe that's eating the placenta. I can't remember. But something happened in the world of social media that made Lotus Birth trendy. Mm. Historically, it's been more of like a cultural thing, but now it's starting to be a trend, which I think anything happening in the obstetric world as a trend is probably not the best Mm -hmm. because trends are not always based on science. So yeah, so I made some videos talking about the dangers of lotus birth. Yeah, it's this beautiful thing. Like you think, oh, it's just a better way to keep my baby attached to its life source and all this stuff. But essentially what lotus birth is, is not ever cutting the cord and just letting it naturally fall off, rot off, etc. Oh, really? So like prolonged for like several hours, several days, like not even just like prolonged for like an hour or two after birth. No, this is not delayed cord clamping, anything like that. This is just, you take the placenta and you put it in a bucket with herbs and salt to keep it from smelling bad. And then you just let it fall off. The trouble is that you have a baby that's attached to something that is decaying. Mm, So mm -hmm. that can open up the door to sepsis and some really yucky things that you would never want to put your baby at risk for. And there's no scientific evidence that it's beneficial in any way. So yeah, that was one of the videos that I did about just talking about the science behind that and why it's not recommended. Which is honestly part of the reason why I love your platform because I'm like, oh, I learned something new today. And then I scroll Mm. and I'm like, what is this chicken doing wearing a diaper? And why is it the cutest thing I've ever seen? Yeah, I have one right here. You want to see it? Please tell me about these chickens that live in your house because I cannot. When you bathe them and then they have their little... (laughs) (laughs) This is Grits. I feel like you're a celebrity in your own right, Grits. It's so nice to meet you. Yes. Oh my gosh. So... The chickens happened really funny. Uh, So my husband has... Let me put her down. (laughs) So my husband had always wanted chickens, and they scared the poop out of me. I was not about wanting chickens at all. And so anytime he would bring it up, I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So there was one day I was at work, and I was working as an ER nurse, and I called him and I was like, hey, what are you doing? And he said, I'm at Southern States. And if you're not a part of this area, Southern States (laughs) is like tractor supply. We didn't have any pets. We didn't have anything that would need anything from Southern States. Mm -hmm. And I said, what are you getting? And he said, food. And I said, food for what? Of course. And he said, chickens. And I was furious, absolutely furious that he would get me chickens without like a real discussion other than me saying no. And so... I came home though, and I was fully prepared to like kick these chickens out into the world, get get out of my house. But then they were babies and I couldn't, I couldn't say no. And my, I had a three-year-old at the time. And so he's like holding the little chickies. And so I was like, they can stay for now. Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. They can stay for now. So we've had backyard chickens ever since then. Mm -hmm. Then... We started incubating like eggs in our house and we get like the little babies. And if you've ever raised chickens, they're very fragile whenever they're little. And some of them just don't make it for no reason. And so that can be really traumatic. My son 
who is here with me today because he's home from school sick, but he loves chicken so much, so much. And we had a really traumatic chicken experience where one of our chickens was eaten. And so in my attempt to make him feel better, I found somebody who had a chicken that looked just like that one. And when we got that chicken, it was so near death. I kid you not. Like I stayed up with this chicken for like three (laughs) days and nursed it back to health. And when we got her to be okay, we were like, we can't put her outside. Like she's too special. So that's how mayonnaise became an indoor chicken. And like diapers and like snuggles in yeah. bed and everything. Like they're just like full on pets and they're so cute. Oh my gosh. I had no idea that they even made chicken diapers, but they do. It's a whole thing. It's a whole- There's a whole. <laughs> <She's talking. laughs> so it's a thing. I love it. It's so cute. I'm like here for the education and also here for the fluffy like chicken videos. Absolutely. I love it. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash MomWell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. ZocDoc.com slash MomWell. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code MOMWELL50 to get 50% off your first box. (music) 
As a labor and delivery nurse, I'm sure that you've probably seen a lot of things. And today when I had reached out, I'm like, can we talk about partners and, you know, how they can be a part of labor and delivery and support moms? And I feel like maybe we'll save it till the end, but I want to also end on some like rapid fire of some like the wildest things you've seen because I'm sure... I'm sure there are some things. Oh, gosh, absolutely. But I've heard a couple of different comments, both from moms and partners. One, moms feeling maybe they've had a traumatic birth or they're just really anxious about coming into like a labor and delivery environment and having their partner there to support them and how that can look. And then also having partners who feel kind of like powerless or helpless or useless and don't really know how to get involved and help. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, maybe you see people sort of as they're coming into this experience and not so much in prep of it, but what are some ways that have been really successful in partners joining in and supporting mm-hmm. moms in the birthing and labor delivery process? Yeah. I think that the biggest thing is just knowing your partner. I know that sounds like really basic, But you would not believe how many people that have come in that I'm like, do you even know this girl? Because what you're doing is not helpful. I think that in knowing your partner, it's also important to have those really deep conversations, not so much like, oh, what do you want? But how do you want it? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much about labor and delivery that is not able to be planned but we can still have really amazing experiences based on how we want the experience to go. And I'll explain. So I have a lot of partners who are so, I guess, not knowing what their partner wants that they kind of just back off, Mm -hmm. right? They're like, I don't know what she wants. So I'm just going to leave her alone. Let her be, you know? So it's important to have those conversations before you get in that space saying like, mm-hmm. this is the role that I need you to play for me. No matter what's going on, I want you to be, is it physical support? Like, I want you to watch these videos with me. Let's write down some things that I think might be helpful in that moment or whether it's emotional support. Are there things that you can write down ahead of time saying like, you know, some affirmations or different ways that you can be of help. As a nurse, sometimes it's very helpful for me to talk to my patient about the things that brought them comfort when they were children. Hmm. I know that this sounds silly, Hmm. but think about when you're sick or you're not feeling good. The thing that I want, like recently, whenever I had the flu, I called my mom. I was like, I wish you were just here Hmm. to put a cold rag on my head. Because that helped me feel so comforted in that moment. But also you may have people who don't like to be touched when they're hurting, right? So what would be super helpful to one person, you know, rubbing the back and, you know, playing with their hair would be super annoying to another person. And also as a partner, understanding that your partner in pain is going to be a different person. Mm. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, whatever you think you may want, you may get into it and say, absolutely not. And that's okay. It's okay to change your mind. But from a partner standpoint, it's really important to understand that you are not the main character and it's okay if she gets angry. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay if she gets upset and wants to change course from the things that she may have said that she wanted because that's really common to get into it and be in pain and be like, oh, I really thought that, you know, 
you rubbing my back was going to be helpful. It's not. And they probably won't say it very kind. It might come with some expletives, <laughs> but I see partners get really defensive sometimes about like, well, you said, mm. you said that's what you said you were going to want. So I guess really just going with the flow and knowing your partner and how they are loved and how they like to be loved. This not taking it personally thing sounds like a really big piece, right? Like the not getting defensive, not taking it personally, like knowing that as a partner you're trying to help, but if it's not the right form of help, being able to like depersonalize that and say, okay, I got to try something different. Absolutely. I remember. So wanting to, I feel like, I don't know, maybe not everybody does this, but in my like thinking there was a perfect way to do things before having my own children in reality, um, <laughs> thinking that I wanted to have a like a unmedicated vaginal birth and try all of these things and whatever. And getting into that situation, laboring for like a ridiculous amount of hours and not progressing and just really having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And like surprisingly, like not wanting anybody around. Oh yeah. We had all kinds of family at the hospital. Like everybody wanted to like be around. And I remember we had a team of midwives and they were in the room and they were like chuckling and cracking jokes and like having conversations on the side. And I was like, if they don't shut up, I'm going to lose it. Right. Exactly. So in that moment, like he really became like a like an advocate, but also like an in-between kind of like, can we keep it down? Can you take that conversation out to the hallway? Like, yeah. or going out to family members and saying, you know, like she wants an hour after to like situate with the baby for a minute or whatever it was. Like, I don't know how we would put a label to that kind of just like a mediator on our behalf kind of. And yeah, yeah. aside from his presence and staying with me, cause like feeling like we were in it together felt really important to me because I didn't really want anybody else around, but then him being able to sort of like shield me a little bit from everything else mm -hmm. that was going on also felt really important to me as well. Yeah. And I guess that's exactly kind of what I mean whenever I say how they want it. Yeah. Because everything can change. Everything can be different than what you thought, but what is not going to change is how you want to feel, right? Yeah. I want to feel at peace. Is that your partner, you know, bringing those conversations out of the room for you. I want to feel supported. Does that look like, okay, I'm going to hold your belly while you're standing up because I know you're in pain. All of the things that you're going to want specifically may change, but those overarching ideas of how you want to feel will not. Mm. So I think that's important as a partner to understand kind of like the generalization of how you know that your partner wants to feel and then how can you best support them on the fly? Because mm -hmm. you may have all these ideas of how that person wants to be supported or loved, but when it comes to it, you might have to try lots of different things in order to find that thing that is the most supportive. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I feel like there's a distinction here where it's like less about the methods and more about the attunement or connection or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like we may have had a plan to do all of these things. And I had like a back labor and there was lots of like things that he needed to do in terms of like putting pressure on my back. And like there were these like methods of things, but really the safety of knowing that he was going to be with me in that moment, regardless of where the moment went or what method was being used. 
I think that that's a big distinction here. Like support isn't necessarily always in the actions that we provided. Like we can show up and provide actions and still not be like emotionally available as well. So true. Mm-hmm. I guess like that's also that emotional support piece. For me, I always felt like he was in that experience with me, even though, you know, he couldn't physically alleviate the pain or something like that. Right. Absolutely. I think just being willing to be emotionally there with your partner And you know, if you're listening to this right now and you're pregnant, you know whether your partner is going to be that person for you or not. Mm -hmm. Because that kind of connection or communication isn't something that can be taught. It's something that has to be experienced together even before you get into labor. Like if your partner is not somebody who's there for you on the daily, Mm. do not have high expectations of them during labor because you're in an, a heightened experience and who they are right now is going to be who they are in your mm. birth space. So keep that in mind. And maybe even if that means society says that this person it needs to be my, my main support person, maybe that is someone else for you, mm-hmm. you know? So it's important to know what your expectations are of that person and already know whether that's going to, because I see so much disappointment from moms who come in and not saying that their partner is a bad person or, you know, it's just, they communicate differently. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot of disappointment when it comes to their partner, not meeting those expectations. I think that when we think about birth and we think about how we want our birth to be, we automatically are thinking about someone being right there with us and holding our hand and rubbing our hair. If your person is not that person right now, understanding that that is not going to be an expectation that they may meet Mm. is important in order to prepare for yourself to have that right person there with you. Mm -hmm. That's some real real advice from somebody who's like seen how these situations has played out because if there isn't safety in your relationship or there's distance emotionally for whatever reason or like I've worked with lots of clients who like you know they went into labor and their partner went with them and then they went down to the pub and met a friend and drank and came back or like girl yeah you know situations where it's like or they've brought their work laptop and are like working and really not mm-hmm. like attuned to mom's needs at all and like we don't know the dynamics of what what's going on with that partner or what that relationship looks like but what you're saying to like give permission to them to say if you have a safe person, a safe anchor, somebody who is attuned to your needs and who can really show up for you in that moment, knowing that it is probably one of the most painful, you know, and uncertain, scary things that you can go through yeah, is a really great permission slip for people, I, th- I think. Like whether that's like your mom or going to be baby's grandma or mm-hmm. a mother-in-law or a sister or a friend even, like another mom friend or another childhood friend, whoever that person is, I think, even though, like you said, it goes against that goes against, but it like stands out from societally, like what people would expect it to go like. Exactly. It doesn't matter because we're focused on you getting through it, feeling emotionally and physically supported. And that's a priority. I feel so proud whenever I walk into a room and there is, you know, the partner is there, but there's also like an actual support person because that mom knows what she needs and she knows that it's okay to kind of say those things out loud because it's the toughest thing that you'll ever go through. 
And I think a good test to know if your partner is going to be that person for you is how they treat you when you're sick. Mm. If that person is someone who's able to be right there with you, what do you need? How can I help you? They're probably going to be a really good support in labor. If they're annoyed that you're sick, maybe not so much because I've seen that so, so often that partners come in and they're, you can tell that that's how they treat them whenever they're ill, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is an inconvenience to me that you don't feel good right now instead of how can I help? Yeah. And I'm thinking even a step further if, and obviously this would be a privilege to be able to afford, but somebody like a doula or a like midwife or doula who can sort of transition into some of that postpartum care. Like if we're really talking about centering and anchoring in on mom's needs or like a night nurse postpartum if we're prioritizing sleep and we have, you know, the financial means to be able to do something like this. It brings me back to a conversation I had on the podcast, oh gosh, at least a year or so ago, talking with a friendship researcher. And she was talking about how we have friends in our lives for different reasons and that no one of our friends meets all of our needs. Mm -hmm. And we have, I don't know, like different pockets of friends or different friends that sort of bring out different things in us. And and, and I, I want to say like, I'm fighting back there, should I say serve like different purposes because they're human beings, but like, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Play different roles in our lives. Yep. And when we talk about our partners and we talk about how we expect them to show up for us. I mean, this is not to let them off the hook. They need to show up for us. And like, we're not bringing our Xbox to the freaking right. delivery room. Like there's no, a, no. like, I'm, I'm talking like, you know, not those instances, but sometimes if we know that maybe our partner won't be good at something or we know they're anxious or we know Mm -hmm. certain things about that they won't meet this particular need in a way that is helpful for us, then we can be resourceful and it's okay to think outside the box while also not giving them a slip off of, you know, any responsibility or taking part in this in any capacity. Right. Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed, but the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Asherina Reem's Psyched Mommy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes. And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create All The Rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, 
and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo RAGE20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code RAGE20. That's momwell.com slash rage, code RAGE20. My favorite team is a partner and a doula mm-hmm. because it's kind of like going to get a photo shoot. Follow me here. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to position my body at all. Okay. I can go there with all the ideas in the world that I want to look a certain way or whatever. I am going to have my hands in weird spots, right? Like, I don't know. I just don't know how to hold my body. But if I have a photographer there who's willing to position me in the best place, Mm. then I can work with that. So you may have a partner who does not know what to do with their hands. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's so good. But if you have someone there who's willing to take the lead and take charge and say, all right, Billy, you know, this is what we can try next. Like, why don't you, you know, do some pressure on her back? You know, giving that, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Like modeling, modeling that behavior yeah, modeling for them. exactly what they can do because there are plenty of partners who are so eager to be really good support people and they just don't know what to do with their hands, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Kind of like Ricky Bobby, like, I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> but if you have someone there who can help give that instruction or give that feedback, it's such a good team because you have somebody who loves this woman who's in labor, who wants to be there, who wants to be a part of it. And then you combine that with the knowledge and the know-how of a doula. Oh, chef's kiss. So good. It's a really important distinction because I think that if we step back out of the picture a little bit, and this is something I talk about on my platform a lot, is like we have been socially groomed. That sounds intense, but like yeah. like raised in these different social norms where women are usually the caretakers and, you know, traditionally male-coded men do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. So now we're in a labor and delivery situation that is like provoking this like need for care and nurturance out of our partners where that's like rarely ever been expected from them in their lives. Mm -hmm. So as well intentioned as some of our partners may really want to be there and show up, it's a clunky skill they've not maybe practiced as much as we have. Mm -hmm. And this is something distinctly different. That's what I was saying. Like, this is not like we've packed up our Xbox and we're like checked out. This is like I want to help, but I don't know how. And like you said, I don't know what to do with my hands. It's clunky and it's, yeah. I feel helpless. I want to help and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I love that having that model for knowing how to take care of mom postpartum. And that can be hired support like a doula that may or may not be a mother-in-law or a mother, depending right. <laughs> on the relationship dynamics. Like it may or may not. But I think that that modeling can come in a few different ways. Or we advocate for ourselves to try and clearly communicate, like, I would like for you to do this, or Mm -hmm. no, I don't want you to leave. Please stay with me here and try to help them along as well as much as we can. And starting those conversations early, you know, because I think that it helps everyone involved if the partner knows the expectations of them prior to what's going on, you know, because I think it's just the way that men 
I'm, and right now I'm talking about men. I know that there are going to be partners who are women, but in a situation where the man is the partner, they, for some reason, I don't know, are not very good at understanding expectations of them. You know, mm-hmm. even in like a house situation where you're taking care of children or taking care of chores together, we think that it's very obvious what needs to be done mm-hmm. in order to care for the home. And then whenever you're like, well, why didn't you do X, Y, Z? Well, I didn't know, you know? So starting these conversations of expectation way ahead of time, I think is very helpful. Yeah, I think there's two things kind of at play there. One is when we have been in and out of this nurturing and care work, attuning to others' needs seems obvious to us. Like we can spot a need from a mile away, like an emotional need or otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. We've had years of practice doing this kind of work. And when our partners aren't as like perceptive or as skilled at it or haven't practiced it as much, that paired with our desire, sort of ideal desire or like romanticized idea that our partner knows us, so they'll just intuitively pick up on that need. And I don't have to clearly state it because they know me, they love me, they should know. Right. Those two things mixed together, I feel like, is a recipe for some real miscommunication, mm-hmm. some real letdown of expectations, as you're saying, because there hasn't been like a clearly defined set of how we're going to get through this, right? Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head, absolutely. Yeah, This has been such an interesting conversation and I'm like so curious. I don't even know whether it's partner related or not, but I feel like I just got to know there are some things that even in my own labor and deliveries that have gone on that are like somewhat comical and things. So I'm sure you've probably seen a lot of things. Oh yeah. You want to share a few of just some ones that stand out? Yeah. I'll talk about partners since, since we've been talking about partners. I had a partner who had bought a ticket to one of those little like, you know, you hear them on the radio, like, come learn how to flip houses. Like one of those little like schemey things. Okay. Okay. So we bought this $60 ticket to go listen to some guy who knows how to flip houses, right? His wife is in labor. No. His wife is in labor. She is eight centimeters dilated. Okay. And this is not her first baby. We're talking, this child is going to come at any moment. And I see him gathering his things. And I was like, packing up his belongings. Where are you going? He said, I have this really important conference that I'm going to. I was like, what kind of work do you do that they're not going to let you be with your wife during the birth of your child? Like, I'm thinking that this conference is like his work, making him go to this thing. Nope. He just bought a ticket. And so he goes to this thing and has his wife on FaceTime. Oh my gosh. And I took the phone <laughs> and said, if you don't get back here right this second. <laughs> I could not even believe that this was real life. That, and so he said, I can't because I would lose $60. I said, I will pay you $60 to get your butt back here. Stay with your wife. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And even though when he was there, he wasn't like, super helpful. She wanted him to be there. It it was all like, how can I get out of this? Like, how can I not have to be a support person? Mm. You know, not that he made up having to go there, but he did not have to go to that. Like it was one of those things where they were having like 12 of those conferences that week or something. Oh my goodness. 
Well, it's interesting because like, it's almost like avoidance. It's like, I'm sure that sometimes it makes them so uncomfortable that they'd rather like get out of there because it's such a like intense situation. Yeah. What you're saying is reminding me of my third birth. And I don't know if this is like sort of general standard expectations, but apparently thirds are wild cards. And they're so wild. It was the strangest labor and delivery that I had had. And thank goodness it was very healthy and there was nothing traumatic about it. And we chuckle about it now, but my labor was like on and off mm-hmm. and on and off. And I would go to bed and I would be in active labor and absolute agony. I'd go to the hospital and the birth would stop. And I would look at the nurses and be like, this is my third child. I know what I'm talking about. Right. So right. finally, the third time going into the hospital, I was like, I don't care how many centimeters I am. You're not sending me home. I will walk every flight of stairs here. Like I will do what Uh I need to do. This is my third baby and it's coming out today. Just so you know, like this is happening. Yes. So they broke my water still, walked around for hours and hours, like nothing, like one really intense contraction every like 10 to 15 minutes. So finally they get me an epidural and I'm only like three centimeters, four centimeters. And they're like, you've been here literally all day long, walking stairs, doing all the things. And I'm like at my due date. So I'm like, this is, it's time. And I've been in in and out of labor. Yeah. And so they get me an epidural and they start me on like, what is it? Pitocin or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So my husband's been with me walking the halls, doing all of this with me. We're been at least 24 hours. We haven't slept in like three nights because I'd been in labor. He goes to walk down the hallway to the elevator to go get a piece of pizza because it's been hours. And I'm like, I need to push now. I can feel it. I need to push. And I had just got the epidural like two minutes ago and they just started the Pitocin. The nurse had to run down the hallway, go down the (laughs) elevator to get him from the cafeteria because he like nearly missed the birth of our third son because it just like happened so quickly. Yeah. And you wouldn't have expected because how it started was like the slowest, most inconsistent thing. Those third ones, it's like once you kick into gear, it's on. But man, there's so much that goes on with third babies that you're like, how? How does this happen? This is not normal. Like, yeah, third babies are wild. They really are. Yeah, a wild card. And I was like thinking that this was going to progress really quickly and then it didn't. So then when I had like, it was just too funny. I was like, over a piece of pizza, you almost missed the birth of our third son. Yeah, well, my husband ordered pizza when I was pushing. So (laughs) there you go. We'll never let him live down. I was, I did, however, make very firm rules that he was not allowed to eat while I was in labor because I wasn't allowed to eat. And then when I was otherwise uh, busy, a.k.a. <laughs> pushing a baby out of my loins, he ordered pizza. <laughs> I remember every time I got my epidural being like, are you sure I can't eat something? Because now I'm comfortable and I'm starving. Yeah. I actually tried to eat something and then I just barfed it right back up. Oh, Your body's you? like, mm, no, <laughs> no, we're busy. Too much energy focused elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having this conversation and joining us today. For those who may not be familiar with you, I'm sure they've probably seen you on their For You page, but where can they find you? How can they connect with you? So if they search Jen Hamilton, and it's Jen with one Anne, that was very Southern, Jen with one N on TikTok (laughs) and Instagram and on Facebook, um, all those places. I do not have a Twitter, but I do have TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And on TikTok and Facebook, it's got the blue check mark. Yeah. And I like for both comedic relief and information about labor and delivery rooted in science and research, you know, all the things. And 
I so appreciate it. Whatever you need. If you need chickens, I got them. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Erica. Working with many families throughout their pregnancy, postpartum, or even beyond that, I've heard from many moms who have felt particularly let down by the way that they were supported or even more accurately under supported during pregnancy and the postpartum that it can leave a real blemish or stain or unresolved wound in a relationship that can be really difficult to move past or get through. Sometimes this can even impact the couple's decision to add children or not add children because of how under supported mom felt the first time around. If you felt this way, or if you feel like there is a wound or something there for how you and your partner navigated that pregnancy or postpartum period, maybe you want to set the stage for it to go differently next time and really carve out a plan on how they can show up and be a support in the way that you need them to. I encourage you to book in a free 15 minute consultation with one of our mom therapists. We work with moms individually postpartum. We bring partners in to help co-create plans together. And we also help you process what this hurt or wound even is so that you can better communicate it with your partner and set yourself up for success the next time around should you decide to have more babies. So if this is sitting with you, head to momwell.com and you can book in a free 15-minute consultation with one of our therapists. We are serving over 25 states, seven provinces, and continually expanding locations. Head to momwell.com to learn more. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I am being joined by Brianna Kappa of Conscious Mummy to discuss the mixed emotions we can feel when our kids are going to school and growing out of the little baby and kid stage and the reflections that these milestone moments can bring out. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center to join the momwell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to mom well.